0: Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Good morning, church family. It's good to be with you again. We're actually having a rainy day here in Texas, and uh, I keep hearing how cold you are there in Namibia, but it's just uh, wonderful that we can joined together across the oceans and in, uh, in this moment. You know, uh, I was reading this story the other day that about a runner, and I know I won't say his name right, but it's Iob uh, uh was a marathon runner from Italy. And he uh, was, had entered running marathons and had only run one marathon before this particular day in 2017. And so when he took off running this marathon, he was behind the lead pack and a couple of three minutes uh, behind. So couldn't even see the lead pack that was following the motorcycle that was directing their course. And as the motorcycle led that lead pack out, about halfway through the marathon, the motorcycle went off course, and this lead pack of runners just followed him off the course of the marathon. Well, uh, Jabrihavit continued on, not even knowing that anything like this had happened. And he, being a um, novice to the marathon world, he, I just think was very, very good um, because he ended up doing a little over a two-hour uh, marathon. But as he continued on and the, the lead pack eventually discovered they were on the wrong course and they came back, but it was too late. And this young man won um, the marathon and was considered the first Italian to ever win uh, this race in Venice. And uh, at the... Cost of the lead pack being off the course. Have you ever felt like you've gotten off course? Have you ever just watched people go off course? I think we've it, we've experienced both things. I uh, so often working with youth, I can I have said I've started saying this to young people. I see that we're losing you. I see that the world is pulling you away, and it's a heartbreak when you watch people go off course, especially people you love, that you've invested your life in, and they start going the wrong way. Well, this is no different as we're looking at another part of Galatians for Paul as he's been speaking to the Galatians and trying to challenge them to stay on course of what they know is true. And as you know, the Galatians are Gentiles, and not uh, born in the Jewish um, lineage there. And so he starts by uh, going after them because the Judaizers had been uh, telling them different things and saying they needed to do this, this, and this to actually be true Christians, followers of Jesus. The Judaizer, uh, we first read about them in Acts 15 And there were some Jewish Christians that started going into churches that Paul had started with the Gentiles saying, well, you're not quite there yet. You need to be circumcised. You need to put yourself under the law. So these are the Judaizers or Jewish Christians that desired to impose the law on the Gentiles who were becoming believers. So the Galatians themselves were being willing to submit to this rite or ritual of circumcision and Paul has already addressed that in chapter 2 of Galatians but that's what he's moving into uh, here with this and so he starts chapter 3 addressing this issue uh, I want to say that when I read these 14 verses so we're going to do uh, Galatians 3 1-14 through 14, it's complicated I don't know if you find sometimes Paul complicated to read and to understand. And I can't express to you how many times I have read those 14 verses and studied them. And it made me think of those uh, pictures, we used to own one, that just was a bunch of colors and shapes and everything. And you remember those that you would just stare at it and the secret was that you had to look straight through it and then all of a sudden this image would appear And I'll never forget the first time it did because I stared and stared. And I kept coming back to it and staring. And people were going, oh, I see it. And you'd, you'd work on it some more, trying to find out what are they actually staring at. And the more I stared, eventually I started seeing it. And I started seeing the picture that was hidden inside all these colors and shapes. So I look at Paul's writing, and especially this one that we're talking about today, that don't be discouraged if this doesn't make sense to you. Uh, don't be discouraged if I'm not explaining it very well. But keep looking at it. Keep going back to it. I think you're going to have those aha moments as you keep looking at God, uh, God's word spoken through Paul, and and make yourself keep focusing on it. Be uh, steadfast in studying this, and I think all of a sudden you're going to go, huh. Oh, I understand this so that's where we are today so kind of relax and say here we go and this is kind of a hard passage but I have found it to be an exciting passage and I really do love it so let's start in verse 1 Paul says oh foolish Galatians who has bewitched you it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified Paul starts this chapter off saying, oh man, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You know, you you realize that he's frustrated with the Galatians because they're gullible. He's calling them foolish, which is the opposite of wise. I, you know, I would love to be called wise and foolish is not a word that I actually ever enjoy. Their foolishness, was truly deliberate. And you know, when we see people doing things that are wrong, we very often can say, they are deliberately choosing to do this. Well, the Galatians were deliberately choosing to be circumcised, deliberately choosing to do what the Judaizers were telling them to do, to put themselves back under the Jewish law. So he's using this word, you're so foolish. Why would you be doing that? And so he bluntly calls them fools and he's telling them i need you to pay attention it's a word that i'm sure they went what what are you saying that we are so foolish these galatians were also probably a little puffed up with pride they're the new people in with jesus and you know jesus actually showed up so nicely with them that the holy spirit was given to them as a seal the promise of jesus inside of them and so possibly they were feeling a little prideful about their enlightenment and their understanding. And so Paul's word, uh, foolish, probably was there to challenge that sense of pride that these Galatians were feeling. Also, <coughs> the, um, Paul calls out the Judaizers in saying, when he says, who has bewitched you? Who's put a spell on you? Who's? Giving you the evil eye is what they used back in that day. He's saying, you have fallen foolishly for something, but who's done this to you? Um, who has tricked you into following them in this? The, their teaching that they were doing was a lot of false doctrine. These were um, Jewish believers, but they were Jesus and. And it, they just took the law that they had come out of and combined it with their Christianity. You know, we can find so easily that we ourselves do that. You know, that we can say, I got saved at six, and then what did I add to my salvation? What did I begin to feel like had to be done to make sure that I got to heaven? Whether it's, you know, we do need to be baptized, we do need to take the Lord's Supper, but these are not things that save us, it is our faith that saves us. and so. Uh, you can just, as we're going through these, think about yourself. How have you personally done Jesus and? And this is what Paul is uh, kind of fussing at the Galatians about. Also, Paul seeks to contrast uh, the way that they preached the gospel to the Galatians uh, with the way that the Judaizers were preaching the gospel. So there's two different gospels being preached there at this time. And so uh, the, Paul was always very out front, um, showing who Jesus was. Paul was always about the cross of Jesus Christ and what, um, what Jesus did for us. Very vocal, so vocal it landed him in so much trouble over and over and over again. The Judaizers were uh, seemed to be more... Um, Cunning, sneaky, subtle, and um, tricky. So, like a like a bewitching. And so, this was the difference in those. And Paul says, you know, that they have seen the cross portrayed before them. They have seen Jesus lived out before. Them. Paul has been showing them Jesus and the crucifixion from the very start. So then, Paul tells them that. This is the truth. Jesus crucified. There's nothing else. That faith in Jesus, adopting the teachings of the Judaizers, is walking away from the gospel that Paul has been teaching them. Then in verse 2, he says, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, interesting, the first six verses, Paul actually asks six questions. So this is the second question. The first one, who has done this to you? Are you foolish? And uh, who's done this to you? And this one, uh, did you receive the Spirit by works in the law or by hearing with faith? Uh, Verse 2, Paul's just saying, I just have a question. Did you receive the Spirit by working hard to get it? Or did you put your faith when you heard about Jesus? And so he asked them that. Uh, He's referring, when he says receiving the Holy Spirit, he's referring to the salvation of the Gentiles. And the salvation of the Gentiles uh, took place uh, after Jesus passed away and rose again and then went into heaven. Uh, Then we see that whenever they're talking about this, that uh, the Holy Spirit came to the Gentiles and this was a sign to the Jewish believers that Jesus was also for the Gentiles. Jesus also belonged to them. And you remember that in Acts, um, Peter was talking to the, the Jewish council and the Jerusalem council. And he began to describe about Cornelius and all his household speaking uh, and telling them that God had definitely given these people the Holy Spirit and he knew that with all his heart that Cornelius and his family, and they, Peter was saying, it's amazing, but they have the same spirit that we do. That was found in Acts 15.8. Uh, so the fact that, that God had saved the Gentiles and accepted them is evident that the same gift of the Holy Spirit that uh, the Jewish Christians were accepting was also for the Gentiles. So some of the Jewish Christians later accused um, That the Gentiles that They also needed to be circumcised and keep the law and that was happening in Acts 15 also and that they were of a lower state Even though they had the same spirit They were saying in Acts that they weren't really one of them that the Jewish Christians were you know tops and then the uh, Gentiles would be kind of like a second level because they didn't keep all the law So by referring to this, uh, receiving the Holy Spirit, Paul was trying to remind the Galatian believers that they have an equal status in Christ. The Judaizers have nothing on them. They're not trying to raise themselves up to a position like the Judaizers. They have an equal status. They received the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And what he's asking them there, he's saying, you received it one of two ways. Which way did you receive it? Did you receive it by working for it? Or did you receive it by putting your faith in Jesus Christ? And we know the answer, and they knew the answer. They knew that totally, it shocked them. I'm sure that it was an amazing day when they received the Holy Spirit. That it wasn't something that they worked for. It was putting their faith in the works of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection. And so the works of the law were those deeds that um, came with the Old Testament. When it talks about the works of the law, the Old Testament is filled with all the works of the law. And if you're doing the read through the Bible, I find so often uh, when it starts listing all the laws and the punishment, it is exhausting, absolutely exhausting. I couldn't imagine having to live there. As I read it, Carmen's my, Accountability partner for reading through, and Carmen and I both have commented throughout this year. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for saving us from this law. It's impossible. It's actually an impossibility to uh, that we see as a list law after law. So to suggest that the Gentiles uh, were saved by keeping the law—that was just ridiculous. And also what's kind of ridiculous about it is they were never under the law. They're the Gentiles. The Jews were under the law. So the Gentiles are um, putting themselves under something that they had never been under before. Paul had never required that they go under that. Paul was the one that said, it's salvation through Jesus Christ, not through circumcision, not by keeping the law. And then, you know, verse 3, is talking about uh, the point of verse 2, having begun by faith. They begin by faith. Why did the Galatians fail to follow through, uh, through with faith to complete what the Holy Spirit had started? They started with faith. So what has happened that's moved them over to start going under the law? Uh, in Philippians 1, 6, it says, For I am confident of this thing. That he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So our Heavenly Father started a good work in us. Our Heavenly Father started a good work in the Galatians. And he is the one that perfects it, not us. And so it is this process that we started with faith. And are we going to alter how we're going to walk through this world uh, into the next with our relationship with Christ. In verse four, it says, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Verse four, do you hear that? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Verse four raises that question of suffering. Uh, The Galatian Christians, I think this was a picking point that they were experiencing with the Judaizers, that they were saying, you know, You wouldn't suffer so much if you followed the law. You wouldn't suffer so badly if you were circumcised. You're not circumcised? Well, no wonder you're sick. No wonder you don't have money. No wonder people die. No wonder, because they would sit there and point to the law uh, of the Old Testament law. And so uh, they would go after the Galatians with this. And the Galatians started thinking, well, maybe I would do this. It's kind of like to me, like a lucky rabbit's foot, you know, so um, I don't know if y'all have ever done that, but the rabbit's foot that, you know, you carry it with you and you just kind of rub it and, and you get into this routine or knock on wood or whatever we do that we think um, that will help the situation. You know, so many athletes have their own little rituals that they will do that you know, helps them win the game, they think. And not their ability, but that they did their ritual of, you know, whatever it is. So, uh, this is what he's actually addressing here, is that do you really suffer in vain with this? If indeed it was in vain, because they are saying that the blessings are being withheld from these Galatians because they are not keeping the law like they need to. It's the consequences of neglecting the law. How many times have we heard that? How many times do we as Christians judge each other and say, there has to be a reason this is happening to them? I think so often we do that to each other. So if I could find the reason your life is falling apart, then my life won't fall apart. I can make sure I don't do the same thing. And so, you know, we very often decide there must be sin in their life. There must be passing in their life. I've heard that so often about generational curses coming down. There has to be generational curses that are attacking this person because who, how in the world could have a person have that much go wrong with them? And so we start trying to find a reason and that puts us back under the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law is all about that. They uh, definitely talk about if you read the Old Testament is if you do this God will bless you if you don't do this God will curse you that's definitely Old Testament law and Christ is our new law our new um, way that we we walk with with our heavenly father Paul and Barnabas opposite of the Judaizers preached a gospel of suffering they talked about suffering and suffering and pain is unavoidable. That is in this world. We are going to suffer. In fact, Paul actually uh, recites it like a badge of honor, all his suffering that he's gone through for the sake of the gospel. So they say, don't waste your suffering. I, we think about that all the time. Do Are we going to put this off in some other area that has nothing to do with it are we going to give it to our heavenly father and say may you be glorified in our suffering Uh, brian and i were at a funeral yesterday of the the brother of the young man that died they're really good friends of ours and they normally are in zambia but they had gotten out before everything shut down and they were over here for some medical things and like us, have not been able to return uh, to Zambia. And uh, a little over a week ago, his 45-year-old brother um, died. And so James, our friend, um, was able to drive to his parents and give them this awful news himself and um, be with his family. He also the blessing of blessings was a month ago he was with his brother and enjoying a wonderful time with his brother that he would never have gotten to do if he was still in Zambia and then yesterday them being at the funeral and we we talked about how wonderful that is that they were able to be here because he would have never been able able to have gotten from Zambia to here with the death of his brother and they were praising God for God putting everything in place for them to be here when this tragedy hit their family. That's what it means when we say, don't suffer in vain. Suffer in this world with what in ways that you can say, to God be the glory. May God be honored in our suffering. Because Paul and Barnabas tell us that you will have trouble in this world. Jesus tells us we will have trouble in this world. And the Judaizers thought that suffering was needless waste And Paul thought suffering uh, was wasted by believers if they didn't put themselves under God's grace and only put themselves under the law. In verse five, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Verse five takes us, you know, we've had our first four verses are in the past, things that have been happening. And verse five moves us to our present state so he's actually asking them, uh, did the believers receive the Holy Spirit by faith or by works? And um, so the Holy Spirit that supp- that's supplied to you and works miracles among you, uh, is that by the law or by hearing faith? That's our ongoing Holy Spirit, our ongoing Holy Spirit that still blesses us and provides miracles for us and um, provides what we need. This is our walk with Christ and the Holy Spirit indwelling dwelling in us. And says does, uh, he provides us with the Spirit working this in our lives. In verses two and three, Paul is focusing more on the beginning of the Spirit's work. And then when we get to five, he's talking about how the Spirit continues working, ongoing blessings in our lives. If law-keeping was so important as the Judaizers were insisting that it was, then what would law-keeping produce? If I was keeping the exact law, would it produce a miracle? Have you ever seen a miracle produced by works? So that's what he's asking them, that surely your efforts of work is not going to produce what the Holy Spirit is producing in your life. It teaches us several things, that the generosity of God is always there in our lives that we don't have to question we don't have to work for it the greatness of God's power as he continuously gives us uh, grace and love in our lives that power of our heavenly father and that uh, the thing that Paul seems to be wanting to tell them is that we have a mighty God not a little God but a mighty God and if we sit there and we start saying that um God's power is not as effective as the law. That means I have to do it. I have to take charge of my life. But God's power requires nothing of me except my faith in Him. Paul uh, views God's interest and in activities in the lives of the people as ongoing. He sees that God is always interested in what's happening, that salvation um, is the beginning of a lifelong and eternal life process of walking with God. Then in verse 6, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Were the Galatians uh, saved by faith is what he's asking. And he goes to Abraham. Abraham also is recorded in Genesis 15-6, years before Abraham and his son were were, uh, circumcised, that he had been saved by faith, that he was counted as righteous through his faith. Moses also, when he was writing, he spoke of Abraham and saying he was justified on the basis of his hearing of faith, just like the Gentiles had been. So, uh, So when he says, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham, all the way back. And then verse seven, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. What a stir. What a big stir. Because the Judaizers believe that their physical descent from Abraham was everything. It was the key to making them accepted and blessed by God. Paul was saying that it is those by faith who are believers in God are already Abraham's sons. They're already a part of that lineage. It is faith, not our physical descent, that uh, gives a person that position of being one of Abraham's descendants. In verse eight, in the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, "'In you shall all the nations be blessed.'" In verse eight, Paul reminds his readers of the promise which God gave to Abraham. And he shows us from this promise that God had included the Gentiles, all nations is what he says, saying, "'In you,' to Abraham, shall all the nations be blessed. Paul uh, went so far in this verse 8 that he is talking about, he calls that when he was talking to um, Abraham, preaching the gospel. What an interesting thought. You know the gospel is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. So here he is in verse 8, talking about Abraham, saying, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Who is that? Jesus. It came through that lineage, and all the nations were blessed through that promise that God gave to Abraham, that gospel being preached to Abraham of Jesus. He was on his way. The gospel was not new. This was not a new story. God, for thousands of years, had already been talking about this this faith that he was expecting for his people. And in verse 9, it says, So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. It could be seen all the way back to the Abraham covenant. Uh, Once again, the Judaizers were wrong. And with Abraham, all those who are in faith are under that promise, including the Gentiles. They are also blessed. Then we move to the curse of the law. Uh, in verses 10 through 14, talks about, uh, verse 10, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Paul is quoting, he's in, actually going to quote quite a few Old Testament scriptures, and he has been talking about you know Old Testament things, there so he quotes Deuteronomy 27:26 curse be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them so he, he's saying that these are um, for those that are seeking justification by the law those that are it's all their salvation they're seeking that it's based on the law that's back in Deuteronomy curse is anyone who does not keep all the law and that is where we were before Jesus came for us, for he took our punishment. So we were trying, and you read that, always trying to do right. And the Bible just circles around and around and around, and they did right in, in the sight of the Lord, and they were the most evil in the sight of the Lord. And it just keeps moving like that with the, the Jewish nation. And so he's using that scripture to say there's a curse on trying to follow the law. It's impossible. You are either in or you're out. It's, it's a law that says thou shalt or thou shalt not. It's the very nature of the law to condemn the, the one that has broken the law. It has a penalty attached to it. You can go in any court and people who know the law can say, if you have stolen, this is the punishment. If you have murdered, this is the punishment. So that's what the Old uh, Testament, the Old Covenant law was putting on people, you have sinned, here's the punishment for that. And of course we all know our punishment for our inability um, to follow the law is hell, the curse of hell. And this is why James also said in James 2, 10 through 12, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend it in one point, he's guilty of all. Sure, have you ever sinned once, then we've blown it and we don't have any hope under the law. And so you realize that that is what the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is that we cannot keep this law. We are cursed, doomed, doomed under this law. And uh, the separation that comes with that curse, the separation from our Heavenly Father and final judgment. Sinners are condemned under under this law, and the wrath of God is uh, on us for that. In verse 11, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Paul quotes now, he's quoting in Habakkuk 2, verse 4, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Just as Abraham had shown that justification was uh, without circumcision, Habakkuk is showing that under the law, we need justification by grace through faith. All Old Testament. Don't you love that? All this is just weaving the story, the threads that run through the Old Testament, taking us to this moment. And and you know the Gentiles are, are sitting there and saying, We've heard these stories. The Jews are saying, we live under these stories. And Paul is weaving this beautiful tapestry of all this old scripture that's foretelling of this moment when they would be free of the law and come under the grace of Jesus Christ. Uh, In verse 12, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. And Leviticus is the one that's quoting there, Leviticus 18.5. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. So if we're going to, to obey one, we need to obey all. If we're going to sin and break one of them, we have broken all, because that is the standard of the law. In verse 13, this is our joy, this is our hope. Christ redeemed, yea, us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. The death of Christ redeems us, takes us back from the curse of the law. Paul now explains how the death of Jesus did what the law could not do. Jesus took that place. Uh, The law left us in bondage, left us as slaves, left us under the curse of the law. Man was uh, going to be punished. We had no hope and we were going to um, get our punishment and it was going to be given to us by God, the wrath of God. The death of Christ redeems us. The word redeem means uh, payment of a price, recover from the power of another to ransom, to buy off. So a payment paid to draw back. It was common in the Commonly, I can't see the word um, used in literature during that day to uh, talking about when a slave bought his freedom, paid for his freedom. So Jesus paid for our freedom, he ransomed us, he redeemed us from our slavery to sin under the law. Christ purchased our release, he paid for that. This passage. Uh, basically talks about the law is our cruel slave master, our cruel punishing slave master that holds us in bondage. And Christ has purchased our freedom from that. Paul, in his language, he's, uh, in, in what he's saying, he says, being made a curse for us. For us, on our behalf, Jesus did this for us. Jesus became a curse not because he did anything, he didn't do anything wrong, but he took our place. He suffered. He took the punishment. He suffered on our behalf. Christ did this by being made a curse for us. In Deuteronomy 21, and 23, this, he's quoting this, And if a man hath committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and though he hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but shall in in any wise bury him that day, that uh, the land will not be defiled, for the Lord thy God gives thee an inheritance. The death of Jesus is not a matter of transferring. It's uh, not transferring our guilt on him. It's rather that he freely accepts bearing our punishment. Jesus didn't carry our guilt. He carried our punishment and and used... uh, used our sin to save the world and took that all on to himself. God accepts his death as a sufficient payment for the things we all have done wrong. And he's happy. He's satisfied. The punishment has been paid there. In verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, do you hear that? So that in Christ Jesus... The blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Here's the conclusion of this whole thing that we're just kind of weaving around through is that the blessing of Abraham can come to the Gentiles. Me, you, that the blessing of Abraham can come. Jesus died so that God could fulfill his promise to Abraham. That was back in, you know, thousands of years before, that through your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. This is not a rejection of the Jews. It's an inclusion of the world. Not a rejection of the Jews, but with the Jews, including them in this salvation. Uh, They could not be saved by the law. We cannot be saved by the law but God, in his mercy, made salvation possible through his son, Jesus Christ. It's good news. It's great news. I think about this when I sit there and say and think, how amazing that is that God did all of that and wove all of these stories, all of these people through this history of time and, and took it to today where we can say, Jesus died for us. And he rose from the dead. And we have this as our gift. This is our blessing that has come to Abraham, through Abraham, through to us. It's come on us. We believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We ask him to forgive us of our sins. We repent of them and turn away from our sins. We confess Christ. We t- tell people uh, that we are believers. We talk about Jesus everywhere we go. We stand before anybody and talk about him. We're baptized as a symbol, a witness of all that has been done through Jesus Christ. And then we run this race faithfully until one day we get to run straight into our Heavenly Father's arms. This is why it's so important to get this through our head. If we try to live the Christian life by our own strength, it's going to be exhausting. You know, we talk to people so often that say, Christianity just really got hard. I didn't enjoy it. It didn't work for me. I find that Christianity sometimes um, is not easy, but if I am clinging to my Heavenly Father, then He walks me through everything I'm going to go through in this world. If I rely at all on myself, then again, I put myself under my works, under the law, as if I can Earn God's pleasure and favor if I do this, 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 and this. Maybe he'll bless me now. And we look at this and we say, there's no truth to that. It's just futile to be doing, um, putting ourselves under works when Jesus has already paid the full price for that and has bought us and has redeemed us from the law by becoming our punishment and by taking that punishment. It all begins at the cross, as Paul is saying, and all that God accomplished through Jesus on the cross. It all began when you and I have prayed and asked Jesus to be our Savior, and the Holy Spirit was given to us as a seal of promise that, um, that Jesus indwells in us and lives in us. Why in the world would we be foolish and start walking again under, trying to perform, and trying to do things just so we can have God's approval, just so I can look better, so I can be puffed up with pride. Look how many books of the Bible I've read or um, how many times I've prayed today or how many times I go to church or whatever it is. But there's a lot of little subtle things that we can do that that we start feeling like that if we will love better, uh, speak better, whatever it is, that God would bless us. God has blessed us. We are blessed. We have the Abraham blessing in us through His uh, God's son, <coughs> Jesus Christ. Luther writes this. I thought it was such a great quote. They try to do good of themselves in order that they might stand before God, clothed in their own virtues and merits. But this is impossible. Among us, you were one who held this opinion or rather this error. So was I, and I am still fighting against the error without having conquered it yet. I think this is a fight for the rest of our lives here in this world that we will have to keep checking. What am I putting into my life that's about works, about putting myself back under the law? Don't stop fighting for your freedom that Jesus died for. Ask God to show you any, all the areas that you are putting yourself back under trying to gain God's favor through your works. Jesus loves you. And Jesus gave his life for you, fulfilling that promise of faith of Abraham. We have been given the most beautiful gift. Let's don't waste it. Let's enjoy the freedom that we have found in our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much that you are a mighty Savior, that you have redeemed us, you have given us hope, and uh, Lord, we, through the promises that uh, we read in Scripture, that comes full circle back into the New Testament days, the promise and hope that comes through you, Jesus, as you took the punishment for our sin and rose from the dead, Lord, we just ask you to Help us to not allow ourselves at any time to put ourselves under the law again, to work for your blessings, to work for your favor, to work for our salvation, but to rest in the redemption that has already taken place. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your patience. Thank you for how you love us. And Jesus, if there's anyone listening today who has not received you as their Lord and Savior, I just ask that even now, that they will cry out to you and ask you to come into their lives and to take over uh, all the areas of their lives. These things we pray in your most precious name, Jesus. Amen.
1: First of all, right now, I'm fine. Dana's, F-I-N-E, fine. It's not every day, it's not so bad. But short history, yes, it started with... um, swimming pool accident, you know our young people, we were students, my brother was a medical student, I was at college, fooling around a swimming pool, and they threw me into the pool and I hit my back against the side of the pool. So that's where it started, but it only really started giving trouble, oh, I think after, quite a while after we were married, had kiddies, it got worse and worse, so they said fusion. Went to Pretoria, Big Fusion and came back and they said, "You know you should swim a lot." So off we go to Swakop with all the little pittis, and just before we, we swim a lot, before we leave for Vintuk on a Sunday afternoon, we can have another quick swim. and just us and one other family in the big pool in Swakop, and um, a teenager dives in where I'm going along to the steps to get out. And dives in here, hits me here. So the rest of the afternoon was a bit dark. <laughs> but anyway, we got to Vintook these bones, this bone was broken and so on, but they never looked at my neck, so that started. And that's where the fusion started. Five back, the last one last year, and three neck and lots of other bony things, we're not going to get into them. But they do warn you that um, these fusions, it's a very a well-known specialist in the Cape also and Pretoria. They last 10 years and yes, between those 10 years we had very good times, we still do. We had businesses, lots of work with six kiddies but we had a wonderful life. Always blessed, no matter what. Perfect. Just quickly, um, the third neck op shouldn't really have happened. It was a plate that broke in my neck. I had a neck op fusion, went to Pretoria for a checkup, lots of pain, tests, and it had broken. I still the two pieces, like two dog's bones, right through the middle, and it was cutting into whatever. So I'll tell you a bit later about that one. I think probably the main thing is that when you're in pain or in, in that kind of trouble, you have a lot of decisions to make. And with everything, we went to the Lord first. Should I have this? Should I go and have another one? And always the confirmation, always going out before us in an incredible way. Always with us, removing stumbling blocks. Finances would come in just when we needed it. Wonderful friends, I believe, as it says, for that first of this uh, Psalm 16, I'll just read a little. How I would ask him for a word, for an operation. And like Psalm 16, I'll just quickly, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant place. I have a good inheritance. Bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. That always happens. I've said the Lord always, he always gave me a word for that particular challenge. Mm. But in everything, if I think how the church, how Johan and the kids supported us, supported me with prayer, with just being there for us. Dana, my prayer warrior, prayed me through many, many anxious moments and our church and yes. And then I I have a lot of testimonies that I could take me a day to tell, truly. Um, yes, many, many, many times. Um, I've sat in churches where it was told unequivocally that that was the case, unconfession and, and so on. And I've had people come to me and arrange meetings with someone from South Africa, or what for deliverance? I've had people come to our home and. Um, pray over me and do deliverance and tell me to go and cancel the op straight away. I got to a stage where I just said, mm, you're on daughter, said, mm, mm-mm. And I just let into it. But deep in my heart, it's never, ever been. I can't say ever. There were times that upset me. What upset me more was I've sat with at least 18 people who I sat with till the end with cancer. And I cannot begin to tell you how this condemnation made them feel. I went to Nelsprat from here to Pretoria Nelsprat for a very good friend. She was two, three days I was there and she passed away. Do you know what her biggest, biggest hiccup was? That she still didn't know what to still confess. And it, It's so cruel, Um, instead of enjoying that time with their family, the Lord, I had to hold in my arms, but how how do you convince someone there? Mm. She's been told that over and over, it's so condemning. I was told once that they saw me as this very big, sturdy tree, but the roots were all muddy water, dirty water, and the leaves were falling off and I was dying. Someone came to my house and told me that, and it did upset me. Your aunt told me, throw it away, but, you know, you hear it, and look, I'm I'm a wonderful case for those people, because either I fall, my son is already, like, now with his knee fall. Honestly, Mom, what next? So I am a candidate for what they say. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is, when Jesus, when we get saved, you're clean, you're pure, he's made you righteous. How, how can, do any of us, when we come to Christ, get saved? What about the old people? Or 60, 70, 80 years old. Do, do you sit and remember and try your hardest to remember all the sins you did so that they're forgiven? God just takes you, Jesus Christ, and Covers you from head to foot with his blood. Um, it just, it hurts when people compromise. Is, is that cruel death not enough? Was that blood poured out for you not enough? They want to add, you must still do this and that. You haven't done this and that. It's actually ridiculous. The Bible says no more condemnation. You're free, you're pure, you're righteous. You know, I love that when Max Lakado says a lot of you hear these things and people he says it's like a graph. Today you're saved. You're up here. Tomorrow you're not saved. You're unborn because you did that and this. You confess confess and you're saved again. But in three days you're unsaved. It doesn't work like that. When you saved, you saved. You have God's seal on you. You're standing on kingdom ground with your feet. So you're part of all this. You have parts of what you see on the other side, a broken world. Mm. In 75 years, I've got weak bones, I've fallen, I've had the swimming pool accidents were bad. Um, things happen, people have much worse things than that, lose two, three children in a family. Mm. How do you explain it? that's a broken world? It's God would never punish or bring something like that on us. He's mm. Just goodness. So I, I can get very upset when I hear stories like that, which still come my way quite often. That's almost the same as this other one. It's to me almost not worth answering because it's to me, that's my view, totally unacceptable, not in line with God's word at all. Um, Can you imagine my kids with a mother and father, each with a mother and father and grandparents on both sides, us having to... I've asked someone who's told me that over and over and really charged me with, I need to be delivered. And that's why this is happening. And when I see him again, I've fallen again or something anyway. But you know what what picture the Lord gave me once? He died for us cleanses us, he's made you righteous to go before God the Father into the throne room. Can you imagine standing there with your white robe clean before your father and someone or the enemy or whoever starts pinning little dirty rags all over your white robes? The sins of this grandfather, granny, aunt, uncle, whatever, it's, it's just so not on one of those things that they get people to start searching and delving into the past and why not just enjoy Jesus and and the Father and get to know him and and leave all that mess. You're forgiven, you're cleansed, Mm -hmm. you're free. I, I can't go wrong with that at all. I once, I've never really said, Lord, why is this happening again? Maybe I've thought it. But, um, because there were some very tough times, I think, especially for our family, for you all. But I I love journaling, so I, I ask the Lord very specifically, and his answers are very specific. And I once said, Lord, am I missing something? Is there something you trying to show me? Because then and I'm really done, because it's gone on for so long. But you know. The only sentence I got that I wrote and it came pretty quickly was my love is sufficient for you and that's fine for me, he must just love me, he gave me my name, my actual name is Susanna with an A at the end and he made it with an H and one of my daughters looked that up and it was quite interesting and um, no, I don't believe that at all, not at all, just love him and enjoy him, he delights in you so just check everything and now with this Covid thing you have the line of Judah behind you mm-hmm. and your feet are rooted in kingdom ground mm-hmm. so everything we see and hear in the media, look at it and what he's told me and I, I've asked him not it was only not only one occasion I have he has never ever, I've always felt I was being taught something, he was maturing me, he was growing my faith. Um, it was always a thing with our family and just getting to know God so closely, the kids as well, that I I cannot say, um, yes, I would not go with that at all. God has always made me feel I'm special, mm. that there was no unforgiveness and I mean how, how much do we sin every day and we're not accountable, we don't even remember all our thoughts, deeds, whatever, but we're saved. That's the big thing, we're going to spend eternity with the Lord. So I'm not going to believe that. And um, I think the next one who tells me I'm an old tree with roots, you better tell me my roots are just going grey. <laughs> It won't be that. I think I'll be be a little bit more verbal in my answers.
0: This is Rico Aveka, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.